Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Before we begin with uh, our, our talk, uh, I want to take a moment of personal privilege to, uh, to just ask uh, for your prayers and to uh, answer a couple of questions I've received already today. Now, where's Tom Baker? You know, Tom Baker uh, has been uh, playing drums in our worship band since over in the gym days. That's prior to 2011, several years before that. And Tom has been out some because his son is a really good baseball player and they're really encouraged him to do that but 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 I want to tell you that Tom some of you know this Tom had a massive heart attack earlier this week uh, and in the process of having this heart attack he he collapsed he fell and he's fractured his skull Tom is in uh, critical care at Park West and has been since Tuesday um, and it's uh, and 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 it's just one of those situations where the outcome is still very much uncertain. He is uh, miraculously alive because some people came to his aid at Bearden High School, where he collapsed, getting into his car immediately and got him inside and and got a defibrillator on him, chest compressions and all, and got his heart going again because it had stopped for several minutes. But Tom is able to speak some now, and he's not on a ventilator anymore. And I've talked to him several times, and he talks with his family regularly. But he needs your prayers. So I would ask you to remember Tom Baker in your prayers, a big part of our worship team. Uh, and many of you know him because he's, they have been longtime uh, worshipers at our church, and you know who he is. Just a, he's just a great guy. And uh, so just please remember him in your prayers as we move forward. I know uh, the family uh, will very much appreciate appreciate that. Now, today, uh, we take on a difficult subject, but it's, but it's something that we can go into hopefully and expectantly knowing that we are going to be able to comply with Jesus' command, if you'll bear with me for just a few minutes. Um, yesterday, I had the very rich privilege of, of speaking at the graveside of of a, a four-star general who, who died just the other day. I've known him for upwards of 30 years. Carl Steiner is his name. He um, had an incredible military career. He, he served as the commander of special forces. He was the second such commander of special forces. He led the invasion into Panama whenever Noriega, uh, uh, whenever Noriega I've forgotten his last name. Oh, Noriega was his last name. That guy, the dictator, they got him out of there uh, and has done so many things, just an incredible military career. I was honored to be able to call him a friend and be able to, I, the connection with him was through our, our common friend who owns the big fireworks company up in La Follette, Lansing Hill. And I worked with General Steiner on some fireworks shows and I've told some of those stories and, and they're, they're great ones. But, but I want to tell you about one specific instance that I remembered this week, as, I, as we honored him yesterday uh, at, uh, in a funeral service and at the graveside, and, and as I thought about this story, 
we were we were doing a show at Columbus Air Force Base in Columbus, Mississippi, and uh, it's hard for me not to launch into some of these stories. He was quite a character as well as having great character. But the one I want to mention, we were sitting around one day taking a break. Actually, it was the day of show. We were taking a lunch break, and there was a guy on the crew who was just one of these a little bit socially awkward people who would just kind of ready fire aim with whatever he said. Uh, a nice enough, a nice enough young man and a good worker so we were sitting there eating our lunch and he knew something about General Steiner and his career uh, that went through Vietnam and and uh, Korea and Panama and the Middle East and all these different conflicts he'd been involved in and he said General how many people you reckon you killed and you know he he paused and he said a soldier does what's necessary to complete the mission, to take care of him or herself, and the people for whom they're responsible. A very, a very general-like answer for sure. Then he paused and he looked at the young man and he said, always respect your enemy. He said, you may not agree with them, and it may be that they're trying to kill you, and you've got to do what it takes to do your job. But he said, always respect your enemy because they have a cause they believe in and they have a family back home. And we do what we have to do. And I believe that my cause was, was the higher calling in these cases and I did what was necessary. But always respect your enemy. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good way to launch into what we're going to talk about because I believe having respect for people, even though they may be our enemy, uh, is kind of at the basis of what Jesus is telling us as we launch into this second episode of Crazy Stuff Jesus Said. And this one today may be the most challenging because it strikes, it strikes deeply in our heart and, and, uh, and challenges us to our core. But he said, love your enemies and be perfect. And before you hyperventilate and think, okay, we've taken this discipleship thing just a little too far, let me, let me explain coming from a place where Jesus was coming from, using some words that Jesus used that are different from the way we understand them. First thing we need to do is hear this from Jesus' own mouth. So this is from Matthew chapter 5. This is all part of that Sermon on the Mount when he was sitting up on that hillside, literally speaking the kingdom of God into existence with every word. And um, in this one, he has a word for people uh, as they attempted to move out into the world as one of his disciples. He wanted to make sure they understood the terms of that. So listen to what he says about love. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing more than the others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. His words, remember. Let's, let's pray. Almighty God, these are your words. And we know that your written word always leads us to your living word, Jesus the Christ. And oh Lord, we pray for the same power that inspired Matthew to remember and write would inspire us to hear. And please, Lord, do not let us back down from the truth as it impacts us that we may indeed be your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to try to sort this out by defining three words, because I believe if we can understand a little more fully about what three words meant to Jesus when he spoke them, uh, it can help us understand that this is all doable. It really is. So let's launch in. The three words are love, enemy, and perfect. Because those words have a very different meaning, I believe, than the meanings that, that you came in with and the meanings I had for them as I launched into the research for, for the sermon this week. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about love. I mean, it's very clear. Love your neighbor. He, he says, love your, ever, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Okay, Jesus, how in the world are we to love these people that just, that just give us chest pains and feel like a heavy burden inside of us and turn our stomach into knots? That's where we have to understand how he uses the word love. Love for us most of the time comes from our culture and love is a thing. It's a feeling. It, it, I mean, so many songs have been written about it. What, what is love anyway? Well, Songwriters have been writing about it for hundreds of years. 60, I just read that 65% of all the songs published and recorded and sent out there, uh, be either live stream or CD or MP3 or whatever it is, 65% of them are love songs. Freddie Mercury of Queen said it was a crazy little thing. Lady Gaga sang that it was stupid. The Beatles said it was all you need. Foreigner wanted to know what it is. Dolly Parton and Whitney Houston said they would always do it. Stevie Wonder called just to say it. Drake is trying to find it. Keith Urban said only it could make him feel this way. Robert Palmer was addicted to it. And Elton John asked, can you feel it tonight? And all everybody's singing that in their hand, you feel the love. You're all singing it in your head, and that's great, because that's a great, that's a great place to stop and talk for a minute. Love is a feeling for most of us. Can you feel the love tonight? And it's great, and that's God's idea. He invented the universe so that there would be a type of love that we felt inside and endeared us to spouses and partners and, and friends and family. And it's a wonderful thing, and it's a noun, and that love is beautiful. That is not what Jesus is talking about. I've said many times that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was not thinking, oh, that trotter, he, he just gives me such a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. He knew me even then. And I've given him so many not warm, fuzzy feelings. But that's not what he was talking about. For Jesus... Love is not something you feel. It isn't a mindset that you aspire to. It is something you do. 
It's a verb. When he says love, it's the Greek word. I'm not a Greek scholar. I won't pretend to be, but I do know this one. Agapeo is a verb. It's something you do by choice. And that is very different. And it can make outcomes very different when we think of it that way. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist who lived in the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, and into the 60s. I don't remember when he died, but I know he was a Jew living in Germany, and he and his family wound up in Auschwitz. And Viktor Frankl's whole family was killed in the gas chambers of Auschwitz. And he tells a story in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, which, by the way, I've read twice, and it's an incredible book. Um, he tells a story of standing in front of the SS, and the SS, they were kind of the Nazi police. They were the enforcers. So he was at Auschwitz, standing in front of the SS after everyone in his family had been killed and everything had been taken from him. And here's what he said to them. This is a quote from the book. They took my clothes, my wife, my kids, my wedding ring. I stood naked before the SS and realized they can take everything in my life, but they cannot take my freedom to choose how I will respond to them. And that's what got him through Auschwitz. And finally, he was rescued by American and allied forces that came and freed those camps. And he was able to go on. And in fact, he developed another, a new strain of psychotherapy called Logos therapy, where he helped people go back and decide what, what is the deep meaning of your life? And, we, and, and then live out of that. But his, many times he said, I thought to myself, they cannot make me hate them. And I will not let them do that. I will not let them manipulate me in that way. I choose not to hate them. Loving our enemies is not searching for a feeling. It's settling on a decision. I understand that's hard. But that's the truth. And that's where Jesus is coming from. He doesn't... He doesn't, mean that we, that he doesn't mean that we're wrong and we're sinning if we don't have good feelings toward people who have maybe hurt us or people with whom we have violent disagreement. He's not saying that. He's saying that, that we overcome those feelings by making a choice to love. I'll hold that thought for a minute. Take a deep breath. And let's take the second word, enemy. If we were to ask, who is the enemy? Uh, we'd get however many are in here this morning and how many ever many are online. Uh, we'd get those many different answers. You know, I've talked, to a, I've talked to people in this church for 21 years now about issues and problems that they have with people, ex-spouses and ex-partners and ex-lovers and, and ex-business partners and friends and other family members and, I don't know, political groups and people with different ideas. There, there's all sorts of people that we consider to be the enemy in our lives. Now, before I take an, another step forward, let me, let's pause. Let's hit pause for one second. And I want to acknowledge something. I realize that many of you in this room right now have been hurt badly by someone, maybe multiple people. I don't know. I don't know those circumstances, but I know that's most likely true. 
And I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that what they did miraculously doesn't count anymore because we choose to love them instead of harboring hate. I'm not saying that. And I'm not judging anybody. I know I have my own struggles with that. We all do. So please understand, there's no judgment here. This is simply a thought that might help us move to a better place if we understand those people that we would call enemy differently. And so here, here is how I want to redefine who, who our enemy is. Our enemy is also a child of God and bears the image of God. Now let me read a passage from Romans. This is from Romans chapter 5. For if, while we were God's enemies, and this is Paul speaking to the church. He's also saying present company included, Paul as well. He's speaking to the church. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So he's just naming it. We were all enemies of God at one point. Because we lived for everything that was contrary to him. Through Christ Jesus and his reconciling work on the cross, we are miraculously turned from enemy to friend. And here's what I'm saying. If God can do that for you and me, then he can expect us to do that for someone else. He says, the the scripture says, because you are children of the Father, this is why you do it. And the idea is, it was very much true in that culture, and it is still true today. Children take on the character of their parent in many respects. And this is one particular way that Jesus is making very clear. I want you to take on the character of your father by even loving your enemies because they also bear his image. Now, that's hard. I understand that it's hard. But we're moving towards something that's going to, I believe, be very encouraging. Now, Right before Jesus said this, he talks about eye for an eye. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone smacks you on the cheek, turn your cheek. Let me tell you what he wasn't talking about. Because this, again, is caught up in all the language of it. I'm not an expert, but I read these books by people who are. Jesus is not saying don't defend yourself. He's not saying, he does not saying allow yourself to be abused by anybody. What he's saying is, and this is a way that we love our enemy in an active way by choice of, by our conscious decision. We don't retaliate. Retaliate is different from self-defense. If someone has said something hurtful to us, Jesus is not, Jesus doesn't want us 
to retaliate by saying something hurtful to them or striking up, you know, discord among common friends or something to try to get back at them. And there's a difference between self-defense and retaliation. And, and let me give you an example from Jesus. When, when Jesus, this was from Luke's gospel, I'm paraphrasing, but it's true. I'm not making this up. You can look it up. When Jesus was getting his disciples ready for his departure on the, via the cross back to heaven eventually, he said, look, people hate me. And because they hated me, they're going to hate you and things are going to get rough. And he said, why don't you sell your coat and buy a sword? Now, some people don't like that, but you'll have to take that up with Jesus because that's what he told them. You may have to sell your coat and buy a sword because it's going to get bad and you may have to defend yourself. But he also said this to Peter, the disciple, when they were in the garden Jesus went there knowing he was going to be arrested. And the squadron came and one of the servants uh, made a move, I guess, toward Jesus. I don't know. It just says, Peter, Peter, impetuous Peter, pulls out his sword and cuts the servant's ear off. And Jesus said, Peter, put your sword away. And he fixed the guy's ear. See, nobody had done anything to anybody yet. Peter didn't understand that Jesus was there on purpose. He was there to be arrested, to go to the cross, to die for our sins. That was all part of the plan. Nobody had done anything yet. But Peter retaliated because of what he thought was coming. And that's what Jesus doesn't want. Withholding retaliation is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of righteousness. I'm just saying. I know, it's hard. Now I'm going to give you a bonus, a bonus word. I said it was going to be love, enemy, and perfect. Bonus word, pray. That's the key to this whole deal. We have to pray. When we pray for our enemies, we are agreeing with God that all people are his children and worthy of his grace. That's hard, I know. Now let's see where this is going. Last word, perfect. Oh, sure, Jesus. Yeah, heck yeah. Okay, starting right now, I'm going to be perfect. Got it. Well, it's a different way to understand perfect. Again, I'm not one of these language scholars, but I do know this. The meaning of the word perfect that Jesus' word has more to do with wholeness or wholehearted or alignment agreement not without any moral or ethical falter or mistake okay that's not what he means by perfect it simply means that you go all in on aligning yourself with God somebody distract Lynn for a minute while I say this my wife Lynn is right there somebody distract her while I say this so she doesn't just look at me like I'm crazy but I'm a perfect husband you see her, she's like, <laughs> I am. Biblically, I am a perfect husband, and here's why. Because I'm all in. For whatever I've got, good, bad, or otherwise, I'm all in with that woman right there. I'm all in. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. 
but I'm wholeheartedly in with her. And that's the kind of perfect that Jesus is talking about. Because if we are all in with God that way, then we're going to get it right far more often than we get it wrong. And that's good news this morning. Now, we want to do these things because God loves us and God has called us to do this. But there is also one more dimension of choosing to love enemies instead of hate them that I want us to leave with. Lynn showed me this TikTok video that popped up on her Facebook news feed yesterday by this guy named TK Prophet. I don't know who he is, but I looked it up and he does TikTok videos with all sorts of different teaching moments in them. So I want to make sure he gets credit for this and not me. It wasn't my idea, but I love this. Some of you may have seen it. How much do you think this glass of water weighs? How much do you think is in there? Eight ounces, 10 ounces, 12 is a pretty big glass. 12, 14 ounces. It doesn't really matter. That's what is not really important. What's important is how long you hold it. I can hold this glass for a couple of minutes and not going to make any difference. If I hold it for an hour, handles probably start to twitch a little bit and shoulder's going to get a little sore. It's relatively heavy. Even just holding it now for, for just a few seconds. But if you tried to hold it like this all day, I mean like you get up in the morning and start holding it, and don't let go. Eventually, your hand and arm will get numb. You'll really become paralyzed temporarily until you drop it. Eventually, you'll drop it because you won't be able to hold it anymore. It's 16, 18 ounces of water maybe, somewhere in there in a glass. And that's what happens when we hold the hatred in. It doesn't take that much. It's how long you hold on to it. Because it wears on us. It burdens us. It hurts us. It doesn't hurt the person we hate. It hurts us. And eventually we'll get numb. And paralyzed. And unable to love at all. So what I'm saying is this morning. If there's someone in your life, and it could, be, it could be a political group. It could be an idea, but there are people and faces behind those ideas. It could be, a, gr- could be gr- a group of people that you just don't understand or agree with. I'm not, this is a judge-free, judgment-free zone here, y'all. I'm not judging. I got my own stuff to deal with. Maybe a person. Here's what I'm saying this morning. If, there's, if there is that hatred there, Put the glass down. Put it down. Life's too short. It hurts too much. It hurts him. It hurts you. We put the glass down. We choose to love. And it will have an immediate influence on the people in our sphere of influence. And the world's going to be a little bit better place just by doing that.
I know it's hard. I know it's hard. We can do it. We can love our enemy who bears the image of God. And we can be perfect by going all in with him. We can do it. Let's pray. Almighty God, so hard teaching. And uh, we're all squirming just a little bit with it. But, oh God, we also trust you and we know, we know how many times we have acted like your enemy and we're sorry for all of them. And yet, you went to the cross for us. So, Lord, help us to be willing to make a decision to love instead of hate and let you deal with, the, with, this, with this burden, this baggage. God help us. We need to make our little part of the world as light as we can. Because there's so much darkness. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.